Hello, and welcome to Diminishing Returns, the podcast where three film fans with attitude review a movie and then pitch their own ideas for sequels to that movie. This week, in anticipation of Power Rangers, the new movie from Saban, we're going to be looking at the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers film about a group of teenagers bestowed with superpowers by an ancient space wizard to fight evil aliens wanting to destroy the planet Earth. The following podcast contains spoilers for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the series, Power Rangers Zeo, Power Rangers Turbo, and... Power Rangers in space. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. I'm Calvin and with me are Alan. Hello. And Sol. Yeah, hey, alright. Hi. <laughs> and today we are putting on our Morphin gear to uh, talk about <laughs> <laughs> the Power Rangers uh, franchise in broad terms, but specifically the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie released in 1995. Can I ask an immediate question that, that yeah. brings up? Okay, yes. <laughs> what does the word Morphin mean? Morph? You morph. <laughs> you morph into well, I, a Power Ranger. I thought Ranger. it might mean, you know, morphing, as in the verb to morph. But there's no G on it. Yeah, because it's 90s so, and it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's morphin <laughs> apostrophe. And there's it's no actually, apostrophe it's re- there either. And it's referring to the... Yeah, yeah, they, they, they haven't put it on, but that's what they mean. And and it's referring to the um, the the drug that is used to sedate <laughs> people. Because that's a similar effect that you, you get to... Uh, just putting your kids down in front of the TV to watch Power Rangers for half an hour on a Saturday <laughs> The night. Mighty Morphine effect. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Sol, you and I were both kids of the 90s. Alan, you were probably a bit too old for Power Rangers, so I'm just kind of interested to know what your guys' relationship with Power Rangers was, if anything. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think I was a bit too old because I remember when it first started, as in on British TV... So, I don't know, mid-90s, but yeah, I would have been like 11. I was just a bit too old for it, I think. I seem to remember having some weird arbitrary... Now, which way around was it? I I either liked the toys but didn't like the show, or I liked the show but didn't like the toys. And I I think my mum got quite confused because I I kept trying to explain to her, you know, no, I don't like that, I just like this. But I can't remember which way around it was. (laughs) The toys are pretty cool. Some of the big Megazords that you could, like, transform, like, dinosaurs into a big robot. Big what? A big what, sorry? (laughs) The Zords are the big robot things, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) So you like big Megazords as a child, Calvin? Well, actually, I like the villains. Uh, When I look back at my toys, I I I only have two... Of course, you you, you specifically like that main evil queen woman, right? Rita Repulsa, I love her. (laughs) She's brilliant. It took them so long as well to um, bring out an action figure of her, and they finally did it like a couple of years ago, and I bought it, and she sits on my (laughs) desk at work, because I I love her so much. I I, I used to watch it as a kid, and it would just kind of wash over me, and I I didn't really... I don't think I followed any of the story, what little there was, and I suppose that's the, the beauty of it as a kid's show, is that there basically wasn't any anyway. Mm. I, I remember watching it and seeing... I remember there was, yeah, a main woman villain, and then there were these monsters that were, like, made of mud or clay or something. Yes, the putties. That's basically all I can remember. 
I mean, obviously we're talking about the um, the series at the moment, which we should do because this came before the movie. But um, I think, yeah, just for a bit of context for people who might not necessarily know it, obviously um, I think we all know that Power Rangers is about a, a giant head called Zordon who recruits five teenagers to fight an evil space witch who is sending monsters down to their town, Angel Grove, to blow up buildings and uh, d- destroy Zordon, basically find where he is and destroy him. Uh, because you you set this essentially, Calvin. As a, I mean, we we agreed to do it to tie in with the film. But you are the Power Rangers fan, and whilst I did watch bits of it as a child, like I say, I never really engaged with it very much. I probably only watched like mm. five episodes in you know total, and I was really going into this like fresh, essentially. Um, and and you you decided that we were going to do Power Rangers the movie. I thought I'd watch the first episode of the TV series as well, just to kind of establish what what the show was and some of the continuity and everything. Yes. And I think that just confused me oh. further because <laughs> I. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. What? What's? It. It is very odd because the movie, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, nineteen ninety five, is bizarrely outside of the show's continuity. So, and yet it retains much of the same cast of the time. The The movie came between seasons two and three of the original series. So they kept the cast, but they they changed bits of it. So Zordon is different. Uh, the head is different. The voice is the same. They updated some of the costumes and some of the sets. Like Lord Zed and Rita, they got new, new costumes and a new actress in for Rita, but they kept the same dubbing actors. They filmed it in Australia. Yeah, I assume the uh, main reason for that is that um, for for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the and certainly I wasn't aware of this as a child, but I am now. Power Rangers is a Japanese TV show that some American yes. executives bought and then filmed a load of additional sequences with American actors to to kind of package it and sell it to American kids. Um, and then just edited it in. So whenever you see the villains and the the action sequences, they're all Japanese things. From a series called Super Sentai, which was long running uh, and still runs to this day. But this is basically because during all the action scenes, they're wearing helmets. So you can get away with using all that footage. Yes. The only problem would ever be when occasionally... Occasionally in the series, they'd have, like, civilians, you know, under in peril or something. And those episodes were always, oh, the monster's running riot in Chinatown. Because <laughs> it was always these <laughs> Japanese people. And so then that, whenever they were in a setting that had to explain why there were all these uh, Asian people around, they would say that. I like, I like that as an idea, though. It's like, yeah, we can use, like, 40% of the footage from this series. It would mm. be really cheap to reproduce. That's... And the and the expensive bits, the action bits, it's it's a nice, it's a good idea from a business point of view. Mm. Presumably, when it came to making the movie, they didn't have a movie to edit into their film, so they just had to shoot everything from the ground mm. up, all original yeah. material. Yeah, and that yeah. that led to them recasting half the roles because they were like, well, she doesn't speak English, so I'm not gonna. For, I mean, for the villains, that's certainly the case, but for the Power Rangers themselves, they were recast um, during the series. The original red, yellow, and black Rangers were all oh, yeah. recast uh, because the the actors decided they wanted to join a union, and the oh. producers weren't keen on that idea, so they got rid of them. So the blue and pink Rangers are the only ones that were in the show from the very beginning. Yeah, I was wondering why they'd all changed. I was wondering if it was a sort of 
constantly, you know, revolving selection of heroes who came in and left, mm. like, the Avengers or something. But I mean, that's certainly what the series is now. It's still running to this day. Uh, mm. This year, the new series is called Ninja Steel, and it's it's become every year or two they just revolve the cast and it's a new bunch of teenagers. But for the first probably about five years of the show, which is called the Zordon era, for any fans that are listening, <laughs> from the Mighty Morphin series until the In Space series, there was there was pr- a pretty good continuity. Like, they would always address every time a new ranger came in and one of them went out and... Well, they, did they actually address it, or were they just like, oh yeah, it looks slightly different? Well, I mean, in the, in the case of the um, original three that left, they the the actors were just fired, and then they used body doubles and stock footage to construct a story where they were being dispatched to be like UN peace envoys or something. And <laughs> okay. it, so it's a lot of footage of like the blue and pink and green rangers just like watching TV footage, and it's like a still of their mates. And the news reporters like, oh, they won a competition. They're going to live in India now or something. And they're like, oh, great! I'm so happy for them. You know, you know what really <laughs> distracted me? It's not. Racist, but <laughs> yeah, I noticed know. it. Um, yeah. Well, let, let let us be the judge of if it's racist or not. <laughs> the Black Ranger is black. The Yellow Ranger is Asian. Yes, and and the Red Ranger had um, Native American ancestry. <laughs> <laughs> That's coincidence, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was definitely coincidence. Yeah. But but they uh, mixed them yeah. up later on because that's not the case in the film. Yeah, no, they made the Asian guy the black one and the black girl the yellow one. So that's fine. Oh yeah, and then wasn't wasn't there a thing after they mixed it around where only one of the female rangers had like a skirt? Yes, but... because in the original Super Sentai footage, the yellow ranger was not a female. So in all of the Super Sentai action footage that character is a male and does not wear a skirt, whereas the Pink Ranger does. I would be very interested to see if the original Japanese version is, like, actually, you know, some sort of well-made, thought-provoking drama. Like, because <laughs> it could be. <laughs> you never know. Could it? Probably could not, it? but, you know. No. I um, <laughs> I, I must say, watching this, it really... Like, I completely understood the appeal of the show to kids, even though it is, like, completely incomprehensible nonsense, and I totally, (laughs) totally understood what it must be like to be a parent who just doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I felt the same way, actually, when I was watching it. I was was thinking, I get this, this feels very mid-90s, it's sunny, and it's just like, oh yeah, I get it, it's like, it's like... Yeah, being a kid again is... I mean, it was weird. But, but, I, but I do know, find it a bit of a shame that a lot of people look at this sort of thing, and Pokemon was a big one as well, and just sort of, you mm. know, parents who don't get it just think, oh, Japan is fucking crazy. And it's not it's not Japan's fault that this show is so bizarre. <laughs> it's because America's taken some bit of Japanese art and is cannibalizing it to fit another culture and that's 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 mm. why it doesn't like make any fucking sense whatsoever so anyway i i went into the film pretty pretty blind i had some vague memories of what the show was but what one thing to note about the film was that apart from a little bit of text scroll at the beginning it doesn't really try and explain the world <laughs> yeah. um or why, what what why these kids are like they're high schoolers, but they're also like a professional skydiving team. Um, <laughs> no, they just do that in spare these, time. It's just they've got know. these two uh, two guys with them at the beginning, 
Who are kind of like obviously they're supposed to be the comic relief. Bulk and skull, yeah. They were the best thing in the show. But then they not they not really get used in the film. Much. They they, they were in the episode of the show I watched, and I just got the impression that they're a big part of the franchise, and that they just felt they had to kind mm. of put them in at the start, like most. You know, any any film based on a TV show will kind of tick off all the the quick appearances from your favorite characters at the start. I think they were like the longest running characters in the show. They're still like, they're they, still they, doing it now. I think. I, I think I, so. <laughs> yeah. No, they keep coming back. I thought when I was watching it, these two are the only like these are the only two actors with talent here that might actually you know <laughs> have joined a, a sketch troupe or something and gone on to better <laughs> okay. things, but. It just looks like they're still doing Power Rangers now. I suppose it's probably quite a nice, cushy gig if, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, the, the series is still very popular in that there's, like, a, a convention de- dedicated to it called the... I think it's called the Power Morphicon. And it's... I mean, obviously it's for, you know, older, sort of nerdy fans and that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, so it's still very popular. We've not heard how you um, actually feel about the, the franchise yourself. Properly, me, Calvin. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I, I, um, I, it's always going to be uh, a sort of a nostalgic thing for me. Certainly, this is the first series that I remember. The first thing that I remember, sort of getting into after coming out of preschool, like Rosie and Jim and uh, <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine, that sort of thing. This is the first sort of. This was my transition into, I guess, sort of you know, kids' TV for like six to ten year olds or whatever. God, I bet you watched the hell out of Rosie and Jim. That's such a you show. <laughs> I loved Rosie and Jim. That fucking duck. <laughs> <laughs> like, with with the show, like, I went back and watched a few episodes of the show, and, I, I mean, even when I was a kid, I watched the series right from whenever I got into it, whenever it arrived on British TV, up until In Space, which ended in, like, 1998. So I kept up with it for a good few years. And In Space kind of... Um, We'll get into talking about the movie that we're talking about eventually, but I just want to sort of say that In Space was meant to be the very last series of Power Rangers at all, and it ends it ends incredibly conclusively. Do you know much about it, Sol? No, I was I was wondering if you could quickly rattle off the um, the different themes they did for each new oh, okay season, like or mm. was it on a season to season basis? Is it is Pretty it because much, it, yeah, in what... Japan TV is different there, isn't it? And they just kind of everything that is made is basically a mini-series. Like, it'll, it'll run for, like, one season or two seasons and then that's it. But then they just make a new show that is essentially season three and four, but it's... Mm. They usually shake it up a bit and do a new opening and yeah, new yeah. premise. New and, costumes. And, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, well, you're pretty much on uh, point with that. Like, when Mighty, Mo- Mighty Morphin is kind of unique because it ran for three seasons with right. the same-ish sort of garb and whatnot. They brought in the ninja gimmick in um, season three of that. But they, they ran out of the Super Sentai footage before that, but they wanted to keep the brand going. So they wanted to keep right. using the same costume. So they had some of the costumes shipped over from Japan, and then they would produce some of their own action sequences. And then... After they finally sort of got to the end of that, there was a little mini-series called Alien Rangers, um, which was uh, sort of... uh, The villains uh, turned the Power Rangers into kids, and Alien Rangers had to come and protect Earth. It was a small mini-series. But then after that, there was Power Rangers Zeo, which was the first full-on change of costume, change of... Zeo? Well, Zeo. Z-E-O. 
And it was all sort of based around these Zeo crystals that okay, uh, right. gave them new powers and new swords and whatever. And then after that, there was the second movie, Turbo, which was actually in the continuity of the show and set up the next <laughs> series, which was Power Rangers Turbo. That's re- This is really confusing for kids. Like, <laughs> it's one thing if it's all the superhero comic book things nowadays that adult nerds can figure out what goes where, but these are kids' shows, like... Yeah. Anyway, Turbo was one of probably my favourite series, um, largely because they had this great villain called Divatox. Now, I don't know if... I don't think either of you watched the Turbo Power Rangers movie, but if you, like, Google Divatox just to get an idea of what she looked like, because she was... I think she was the reason why, as a young child, I was obsessed <laughs> with drawing boobs. Because she... Like, she has, like... And she's, like, out in the movie with these... Well, like, wait, 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 wait. We're just going to have to take a little step back there, because you just <laughs> said, when as a child, you're obsessed with drawing boobs. Uh, that was news to me. <laughs> Do you want to... <laughs> Want to give us a bit more background on that? Well, Google her and you'll figure it out because she's she's <laughs> that, to blame. It's not, you... that's interesting though because I think most most straight boys just grow di- uh, grow <laughs> most straight boys just draw dicks everywhere. So huh. so that's that's quite an interesting inversion of the uh, <laughs> the the stereotype. Hmm. But she was she was very she was great. She was camp and over the top and diva as the name suggests. So anyway, after um Turbo sort of flopped, um they were only getting commissioned for one more series which led to Power Rangers in Space and the writers producers were just like, Fuck it, we're just gonna end the whole thing. So the whole series revolves around Zordon is kidnapped by the villains and the Power Rangers have to try and save him. But then at the very end of the series they save him, but then he sacrifices himself to destroy all the villains in the galaxy, and the series ends very conclusively with, well, that's that. But then that series was so popular that it started up the next series, which was Lost Galaxy, and to this day, they have a new series every year. Um, but it was up until In Space, where I watched as a kid anyway. So that's that's a brief history of the series that I was familiar with, but sort of in the middle of that is the movie, the 1995 mm. movie, which we already talked about was that's outside the continuity of in. the show. Yeah. Yes, so we all watched the film. Alan, I'm curious if you could, for those who might not have seen the film in a while or might not be familiar with it, if you could sort of give a brief <laughs> plot summary of what happens. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there is, well, there's these kids. Uh, they are Power Rangers. Um, uh, basically, they ac- accidentally dig up uh, an egg that's been in the ground for 6,000 years. Some bad guys come along and hatch it, and there's like a slime monster in it. Mm-hmm. And he's like the new boss. Mm-hmm. And so he starts to try and take over the world. Uh, one thing he does uh, is, well, first of all, he goes to the the top the top guy, Zordon, mm. smashes the place up, and so he's going to die. Yeah, and then uh, the kids have to go and try and save Zordon. So they're distracted. So in the meantime, the bad guy, he creates this slime that hypnotizes adults. And then he has the adults working for him for a while in a quarry. And then the kids have to go off into another planet to find the power uh, of animals. And then they come back and uh, lots of fight scenes and things. Yes. 
Oh, that, that was quite, yeah. <laughs> and then they save everyone at the end. Hmm. Just in the nick of time. Hmm. I mean, the part of the big deal of the movie is that they gain these new ninja powers and ninja swords. But the confusing Tech. thing is, because this took place outside of the show's continuity, there was already a separate arc within the show showing them getting those swords oh. and those new powers. So it's sort of... I, I, I'm fascinated to know, like... That's what, really like, weird. I assumed it was just to have more toys for the the film that they could sell, but... Oh yeah, totally. I mean, they made toys out of them, but they were in the show as well. That's what I mean. So... If they were already doing it in the show, it doesn't seem necessary to... Well, this is the thing, because I know like the Batman movie is famous, the Adam West one, for just including all these things that they could buy on the movie budget and then use in the show. Yeah. But here, they have these monst- this horrible CGI yeah. robots at the end, which never appeared in the show. In the show, it was always like yeah. a-, a guy in a suit. So I'm surprised that they didn't mm. have the foresight thing. Oh yeah, actually, we can make some savings. I I just assumed they were adding a load of shit that wasn't in the shows so they could get like a different line of toys out there. But that's even weirder if it was in the shows. And my my I made very brief notes watching the film, and like they're very brief because there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a lot that. But at the start, well, I, put... I started and then kind of. Lost faith. Yeah. Lost the spirit. <laughs> at the start, so. I put film is massively lacking in kaiju fun. But to be honest, that kind mm. of does come in at the end. So I, I suppose. It does, but it looks so shit. Yeah. The CG at the end is mm. just absolutely terrible. Because I, I was looking forward for to a sort of, you know, Godzilla rubber suit action movie kind of thing. <laughs> and mm. it just never delivered. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, and then when Wonder Woman shows up. Isn't it really oh, interesting yes. that the like the first American designed character is just a naked woman, <laughs> <laughs> rather than like a Japanese design they've had to work with? Yes, Dulcia, who um, is their sort of mentor on this alien yeah. planet, and gives them their new powers, which aren't really as cool as I mean they're going from like dinosaurs, which are, like really yeah, cool, a big, to a big step down. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's how it feels throughout the film. I just kept thinking like, well. <laughs> This is shit. Like the the running gag is one of them's upset to be a frog or yes, something. Yes. Is it a frog? Yes. Yeah. And and it's like I'd be upset with any of those to be honest. If I used to be a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> it's odd that they went straight to dinosaurs as well because that seems like something you'd you'd remember existed in like season five yeah. when you're sort of struggling for. <laughs> it seems like animals is the first thing you'd go well, to. Well, oddly enough, animals elements in the Super Sentai footage they were like seasons in, like so. This was later down the line for the Super Sentai footage that they were using for the first season of Power Rangers, so that probably explains that. Um, and then there's a there's a song in the film that comes in at one point, which is incredible, just worthy of. Uh, mention it, it goes i am action boy i am action girl <laughs> yes. over and over yeah. is that when they're fighting the triceratops thing or uh, i think it's earlier oh. than that. it's when they're fighting the purple slime babies ah yeah. okay the yeah. ones with dreadlocks yes. oh, and, oh and speaking of the the slime um so obviously um ivan ooze is the best actor in the film he's the main baddie who was hatched out of the egg yeah it's so it's, it's is the best Isn't Paul Freeman like obviously in love with this role? <laughs> like, doesn't his his glee at being allowed to do this just like 
just just come through. Like that was so needed though, because it, it needed yeah. some personality. This film, because none of these kids have got any. They're not yeah. really allowed to act, which is probably for the best. Yeah, they don't give them any sort of emotions to perform or yeah. anything like that. Mm. But yeah, he, he, he just is comes the best in. He's having loads of fun as the villain. Mm. And and he's like one of those, obviously one of those like classically trained British British actors who yeah. for some reason is playing a rubber monster. In yeah, American <laughs> film. Yeah, I I don't know. Like I think there there is no character arc for the kids emotionally. There's no journey. The only one who even gets the remotest sort of bit of character is the pink one, Kimberly, and that's only because she cares about Zordon and she gets a bit upset at one point. And I did I did think, Calvin, that there was something going on between the Pink Ranger and the White Ranger. Is that ah, in yes. the show? Yes. Because there was definitely hints to it, I thought, and then that was the yeah. only bit of sort of character I saw. It, like you say, the pink one did have more to do than any of them, and I, mm. I do wonder if that was because she she was the most senior cast member at that point, is that uh, right? Her and the blue one, yeah, but no one liked him <laughs> on set. <laughs> I, I assume she could sort of say, give me all the best lines, or my character needs more to do in this oh, scene yeah. or something, and actually have have it happen, because she was the pink ranger and they wanted to keep her happy or whatever. Yeah, so totally. What's, what's the deal with the white ranger? Because mm. he's he seems different to the rest. Well, he came into the show much later. It was the five original ones, and then there was like a multi-episode arc where a Green Ranger came in because they found an extra bit of Super Sentai footage that they could uh, <laughs> use. So they brought him in, and he he made occasional appearances, and then they he became the White <laughs> Ranger later on. Couldn't they just like color correct the footage? <laughs> like... <laughs> but yeah, he he was kind of the breakout sort of star, I guess, at the time. Him and the pink one were, like, the ones that everyone loved. Uh, but apparently he was a real dick on set. There's all this, like, behind-the-scenes footage that came out a few years ago, and the blue one especially got kind of bullied on set because he was gay, and uh, no one liked him very much. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of animosity on the set. But the blue one actually ended up being the longest serving of this particular cast. Like, he stopped being a ranger after a while and was just, like, a helper at the command center or whatever but um he was in it for many years well. uh, the other thing i noticed was um you know these kids they love a witty quip yes kind of <laughs> sub bond pun <laughs> <laughs> as they throw someone across the room yeah yeah <laughs> so ivan ooze's plan is like it's some ridiculous contrived shit where he gives like evil slime or ooze to kids that doesn't do anything to the kids, but, like, turns adults into mindless zombies. Yes. Like, and he spreads it around by just handing it out to kids, and it's it's a really odd thing. Like, why doesn't he just put it in the drinking water or something? <laughs> I did like the bit where he was trying to sell it to him, and they were like, this is just some shit, what's going on? And he's, he's it's free! And they were like, yay, we'll have stuff! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and his entire world domination thing kind of comes down to two sort of monster alien things that he's created that seem to be dispatched off with quite easily. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so that, that giant ant at the end, is that... Yes. I can't even quite remember. So that that the problem with that ant is it just obviously couldn't interact with anything in the yes. film. Like, it's so <laughs> removed from, <laughs> like what you're watching on, on screen. It just didn't <laughs> seem like a threat. 
it looked like a PlayStation One video game like model, basically <laughs> that has been dropped into this film. I love the bit when Ivan sort of possesses one of them, and it get he, he his face comes onto the thing. But I don't think they could actually animate his facial features moving, so he's talking, but his <laughs> mouth just isn't moving. It's really quite bad. I did like the um, the dinosaur skeleton that comes to life. Yeah, yeah uh, I quite that, like that. that. A, they couldn't. Yeah. They obviously couldn't show it moving. But when it was um, when it was just like the head snapping and things, I think that worked quite nicely. I like just a giant puppet. It, it, it yeah, worked. it was good. There's a bit when they're actually on the planet, and uh, I guess it's kind of like a almost like an alien reference. I don't know when they're on this planet and they're like they come across this skeleton of this just giant, presumably alien creature that we don't see and don't we don't get much backstory of. But they're just sort of like, oh well, I guess other people have come and tried to do these trials and not succeeded, and then they just move on. But I just think it's a fantastically elaborate prop for that like one yeah. sequence. Um, but kind of nice. It's probably left over from something else. <laughs> I like that the film ends with them raising the dead using the great power. <laughs> I was, I'm disappointed if they don't, um, if things don't go a bit wrong and they don't have a zombie outbreak in zombie in rangers seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's in, that's that'd an idea. Good, that'd be a good season. Yeah, Power Rangers Zombie Squad or something. <laughs> um, let me uh, draw it, one of the notes I made and. See, see what sort of tone you think I was taking with this film. Okay. I, I, I just wrote, God, I love these kids. They're full of joie de vivre. They're active. They're productive members of society. And they're a beautiful <laughs> example of a diverse community. Oh. Are, are you being sarcastic? <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure anymore. That's the, that's the trouble. I'm, sometimes I get so sarcastic I come out the other side. Actually, <laughs> genuine sort of like... <laughs> sincerity for things that I know are how in my own mind. <laughs> but the whole thing that that was right at the beginning. They just they they skydived, raised money for charity, and then rollerbladed home. It was fantastic. It was all, <laughs> the whole thing was like it just felt like a mid nineties body form advert. Just, <laughs> like a woman in white trousers rollerblading around with a dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're good kids. Yeah. They're good kids. <laughs> good kids. <laughs> Uh, I also liked that when, after they morphed and became the Rangers, all their moves were accompanied with sound effects. So, like, oh, yes. every time they moved their arm, it would go... <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm not sure, but I think when they hatched that egg, when the, the evil egg hatched, mm. one of the little henchmen said, Excellent. Um, <laughs> now, was I imagining that, or was that deliberate? I, that, I that think I remember deliberate. that as well, actually, because I think I picked up on that now that you mention it. Was that the pig? Because <laughs> there's like the, the four villains who come in to get Ivan out of his egg. There's Rita, Zed, Goldar, who are all from the series, all quite recognisable. And then there's this like pig with a monocle who was never in the show. <laughs> and they never. And it's I the don't worst think... costume of the lot. <laughs> well, I was like, did, did they build that and then think they could use it for the show? But uh, yeah, it's really. You've just odd. reminded me. Mm. I, I really like the bit where, you know, when those sort of crow men. Uh, are speaking to Ivan Ooze and they've like fucked up or something yes. and he just kills them outright. He just like <laughs> blows them up and their feathers go everywhere. I was like, fucking hell, that's that's brutal for <laughs> for a kid's film. <laughs> like that's like it was quite it was quite um unexpected that they, <laughs> they just 
let him do that, but I quite is, like that. There's often quite a lot of death in Power Rangers. It's like, um, you know, the villains all, the monsters always get blown up and die at the end, even though they're sentient mm. creatures. And in the show, it was terrible for, like, they have these giant robot monster battles in a city. Skyscrapers would be toppling in every episode. <laughs> these like, huge buildings are getting blown up. The civilian casualties must have been, you know, if this was real, it'd be horrific, but never yeah. any mention of it. You know that that bad guy who's been like buried in an egg for six thousand years. Yes. Don't you think he adapted very quickly to the modern world? <laughs> he's he's not he's not sort of shocked by the changes that have occurred in society over six thousand years. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, even the the concept of teenagers is still was around six thousand years ago, apparently. Well, not only that, <laughs> but when he's like he's destroying the power uh, the command center at one point, and he's like talking about all the horrible things that he's missed. Like, he says, the Black Plague, the Spanish Inquisition, and the Brady Bunch reunion. And it's like, oh, you, you had time to research things. Well, that's <laughs> horrible. Just the most misplaced pop culture reference. It just doesn't want to go on. One of my last notes about the film is that, you know, in the, the, the final battle sequence between the giant Ivan and the giant Zord, they take him out into space because they know there is this comet that is co- going to be coming past the Earth, and they're going to get him in yes. the path of the comet and blow him up. They work so hard in the first, like, five, ten minutes of the film to set up that comet. It's mentioned, <laughs> like, four times over speaker, because there's, like, a guy on an intercom going, like, well, uh, Angel Grove, uh, look, we're looking forward to the uh, festival in a few days for the comet, which is passing, and then, like, the boy later on is like, oh, I'm so excited for the comet that's coming in a few days, and then the intercom guy comes on again. It's They work so hard, because they don't mention it again for, like, about an hour. <laughs> and then it comes back at the end. It's it's some pretty terrible screenwriting, really. But. Um, so the, the end credits of the film as well. I wanna I wanna again the music like struck me because um, the end credits it was like a it was like a DJ set. <laughs> the, the, it it started off with that uh oh we're in trouble song. Yeah. Then it like properly transitions like like someone's mixed them together into kung fu fighting and it, it was amazing <laughs> like it really really made me happy <laughs> so i'm kind of curious for you two like the only other movie that i feel like we've kind of talked about which is on this level is the uh, super mario brothers movie um oh, yeah. how did this shape up compared to that for you guys well, for uh, me, I, I definitely thought, when I was watching this, I immediately started thinking that Mario Bros. film. Mm. This felt much more like it knew what it was trying to do and why it was doing it. Mm. Whereas Mario, it felt like that was trying to do something more and failed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it also felt that. like Mario was probably a lot more expensive to make than this. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I mean, per- I, I much prefer the Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> for mm. the record, just because... It, it is a bit more interesting, even though I, it, it, like Alan says, it it felt like a film with lofty ambitions that sort of fell flat on its face. But I find that a lot more interesting and hmm. admirable than this film, which just felt like it aimed for, you know, lowest common denominator, essentially, and, and ticked all the boxes it needed to. Hmm. Um, but you're right, they are, they are in a similar... Uh, category of film, mm. I suppose, aren't they? They're, 
Well, yeah. I'm just kind of curious because we've talked about this, you know, this, and we've made jokes about it and how sort of silly and badly acted it is and all that kind of stuff. But you know, mm. I guess when you look at a film like this, you kind of have to evaluate on well, does it work at the level it's being pitched? But that's, mm. I think that's the difference. There's, there isn't there isn't bad acting in this film because there's no acting in it. They don't give mm. anybody a chance to act anything, mm. um, apart from probably Paul Freeman. I mean. Yeah, maybe often, but he does all right. But even the kids, like when they're doing the bit where they hold the thing up and go Stegosaurus, uh, like even that, they couldn't even do that convincingly. <laughs> like... I, love, I love that you picked the one dinosaur that none of them are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> but. You know what I mean? Like they would, ju- all they had to do was like yeah. put it in front of them and say it with passion, and they they couldn't even do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you um, seen much uh, trailer-wise or anything for the new movie? Uh... Well, I, I watched the trailer, and my my pitch, which we'll get onto, I I, I basically decided to go for like the gritty reboot idea, mm. and then I watched the trailer. And it's definitely going down that line. I don't think it's going to get really gritty, but it's definitely mm. got a kind of a, a bit more less camp, um, a bit more kind of realism to it. Yeah. From what I could tell by the trailer. Yeah. My, my big complaint about it, seeing all the, like, the stills and the trailers and stuff, is that they've got Elizabeth Banks playing Rita yeah. Repulsa, looking nothing like the show version. Not that I'm saying that she should wear the exact same costume, but I would have thought that they'd try to yeah. reference back or take some design influences... And yeah. instead, they've just given her this bizarre, like, green costume. I, I'm not quite sure what the logic it's behind it is. It's weird, that, isn't it? Because I thought, oh, she's going to have fun hamming up this role, and they're going to cover her in makeup to recreate this kind of hag yeah. character. And, yeah, then I, I, I think I did look, and it was just sort of like, oh, that's not like the old one. Fair enough. Yeah, right. Okay, then let's get on with the pictures. Who's going to go first? Can I go first? Because mine's... Okay, so, as I said, I I did want to go down, like, the gritty reboot, because that's what you've got to do now, and, like, you, you can't make a film like the mid-90s, or post-9-11 gritty world we live in. Mm. So, but then I watched the trailer for what they're doing, and it does seem like that's kind of the idea they're going for. Mm. But, but judging from that trailer, it looked like it was essentially the breakfast club with karate. So, um, I kind of embraced that. First thing, I don't want six of them, it's too many. I want five. Uh, which, again, that seems to be what they're doing in this new film. There's yep, only five yep. of them. Um, and it's it's like a boy band. They've got to have distinct personalities, right? Even if they're fake. So, mm. in the film that I watched, there was no personality there whatsoever, as far as I could tell. I'm sure in the show they have a bit more chance to do it. So, I want to use that Breakfast Club model to, to establish characters. So, you've got um, like the jock, who's kind of a, a bit of a de facto leader. Mm. Uh, the cute one, uh, the nerdy tech guy, uh, the kooky emo one, and <laughs> then the kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Oh. Uh, you know, he, <laughs> he acts like he doesn't care, but he always comes through for his friends in the end, you know. We've got to lose the camp. You've got to, mm. you've got to Batman this thing, right? You've got to lose all that camp. No primary coloured suits. Don't want them. I want You want <gasps> black suits with, like, maybe a little flash of colour to distinguish between them. Oh, I'm not that keen on the whole superpowers thing. Um, and in the trailer, Sol, 
they kind of ha- they discover this power and then they have this kind of Spider-Man moment where the next day he's like they're really strong and mm. he's like oh my god I'm just I'm, I've got abs all of a sudden they do that thing and so they have these kind of superpower strengths and I'm is not it, sure is it a really weedy actor like Tobey Maguire looking in the mirror <laughs> like <"Huh."> yeah. <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> But I'm not sure what it was in the show, Calvin, but are they supposed to have actually have superpowers kind of thing? Or are they... Because in the film, the White Ranger seems to be able to defy the laws of physics whenever he wants. Mm. But the other ones are a little bit more grounded, a little bit more kind of just kung yeah. fu guys. Mm. No, it was... I mean, they've all got martial arts training. Like, even when they're sort of fighting outside of their suits, they can, like, hold themselves, you know... Um, yeah. They're all they're all at, like, kung fu school or something in the TV show, aren't they? Yeah, like, yeah they're, they're always Karate practicing. Academy or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I thought. I thought maybe they could have... Uh, what I'd like to see is they've got some sort of training montage where they're having to learn martial arts and stuff because like, that could be a good portion of the fir- first portion of the film. Um, I haven't seen a good training montage in a while. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. um, and and then maybe when they're actually got the power, the superpower suits on, that gives them some kind of extra power, or like it protects them so they they're stronger or something like that, rather mm. than some kind of supernatural sense of power. I don't really like that. And and mm. and this goes the same way with the villains. There's, there's just silly and campy and these kind of are they aliens are they monsters I don't know what they are so <laughs> if we go with the, with the idea that these kids are like tapping into some kind of ancient mystical force then the villain basically has to come from the same source uh, so human but like powered up in some way or whatever. Mm. and in true breakfast club style I want the antagonist to be the school principal Ah, uh, now, so he also somehow gets accidentally transformed in the same way they do but he goes evil Mm. Uh, maybe the school's built on an ancient burial ground or something like that, I don't know. Just from what I've seen of the film and all that, plot isn't really important, so I'm not I'm not worried about that. Um, what I'm interested <laughs> in is the personal stories of the Power Rangers and the lessons mm. they learn. You know, you've, got to, you've got to learn a moral lesson. These things. So you've got the leader. Now, he starts off being quite arrogant and he learns hubris. He learns that he, you know, the value of teamwork. You know, you mm. can't even break a stick in a bundle. That's can we idea. can we can we guess what the <laughs> messages are going to be? Yeah, yeah. Of how, how many how many more are there? <laughs> Four more. Okay, so the the cute the the female cute one who's sort of she learns that know. appearances aren't everything and not to judge a book by its cover. Tick. Uh, <laughs> I thought a good way of her learning that was if she got severely scarred in the face, uh, <laughs> and so she has to learn. That oh, it's not dark. Talk. <laughs> Um, the the bad boy from the wrong side of the tracks. He gets that scholarship to Yale. <laughs> he learns to be more open with his real emotions instead of hiding them behind a, a veneer of uh, hostility. Yeah, I mean, you're pretty much there. I, mean, I've, I put that he learns to be, needs to be less selfish, work for the greater good, um, and also that uh, he learns that other people have difficult histories as well and that there is a reason that his dad is an arsehole and an alcoholic and beats him all the time. Mm. Uh, so yes, an awareness of others. Um, what about the the kind of emo outsider person, <laughs> the alternative chick? Uh, I don't know. Actually, that's a tough one. Well, she she keeps she keeps she usually keeps people at arm's length. Oh, ah. she learns to let them in. She learns to let people in. Learns to trust again. Uh. Uh, and then you've got this sort of nerdy tech guy who's not very confident and too shy. He learns to believe in himself. Well, kind of. He actually learns that it's okay to be gay. Oh! Uh, so. <laughs> oh, did you know that he, he was the one that was gay in real life? 
Well, I didn't say he was the blue one. Oh, oh, okay. Oh. That's your assumption. Um, I mean, he was the nerdy one. Uh, and then the other, the other, the only other uh, bit I've got is that I wanted to give them animal identities, um, but unlike in the film where it just seems to be completely arbitrary, I wanted these animals to actually represent them in some way. Hmm. So that the bad boy, he will be the badger. <laughs> As we know, is the, the most vicious killer in the animal kingdom. Uh, so yeah. he's got a really ruthless streak to him. Yeah. yeah. Um, Does that mean he's lead, a Hufflepuff the, too? <laughs> we can't cross the streams. Uh, the the leader of the group, the the kind of the jock, he'll be a Shire horse, a powerful ah, and noble majestic. beast. <laughs> yes. Um, the cute one will be uh, a kitten with just unfathomably large eyes to make it extra cute. <laughs> The, ner- the nerdy tech guy, I want him to be an ostrich with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> because an ostrich, you see, is quite a powerful creature, but it always looks panicked. It's always running around. <laughs> and that, that was suiting quite well. And then the emo girl, I want it to be a chameleon. She, you know, she's mm. cold, cold, cold-blooded, uh, but... And just wants to fade into the background. She doesn't want to be noticed. But with like an annoying fringe that comes over her eyes in a yeah. irritating way. Um, and, then, and that's it. And then I don't know how those animals will work together to, to defeat a villain or whatever. But uh, also, uh, no blood, no killing. You can't have any of that. Uh, even mm-hmm. in a gritty remake, you, you're still for the kids. Uh, yeah, that's it. So that was just kind of more of a reimagining of it, how it might be. In a, I think... It might not be quite that literal, but I think we'll see a lot of that in the in the real film they're bringing out because I think they're going to yes. have to dirty it up a bit, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, give us your pitch. I suppose my mine works as a sequel to to the TV show, but also as a sequel to the film. It, it just it's another story set in the the sort of Power Rangers universe, but it, the continuity isn't that important, I suppose. It's set in the future of their their world way down the line, and the world is now aware of the intergalactic menace that is, uh, has come together to form a, a gigantic, uh, what are they called? Gigazord? What are those robots? Megazords. 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 Okay. Yes. So it's made, like, it's created this, this Megazord, and this thing is, like, planet-sized, um, and it's used to, to battle planet-sized mechas from, from beings on other planets, um, and they're mm. all at war with each other, and they're so they're such complex machines that um, it's the most populous job on Earth now. <laughs> that you know, there's like five Power Rangers per Megazord or whatever, and they're all controlling the thing at once. Yes. Now, now it's like billions of people are required to to control these things um, <laughs> at once, and because they're so complex. Yeah, and so was was the idea originally that like someone controlled the arm and someone controlled the leg and that sort of thing? Was that kind of the idea? Uh, or? It, it's all kind of vague. So they have um, to coordinate with each other yeah. to make it work. Yeah, it, it seems sort of not very efficient. Well, in this in this one, like you're down to the level where you've got people controlling like each skin cell, each hair, each <laughs> liver cell, that sort of thing. And our hero is one of the thousands of Grey Rangers in charge of the uh, the Megazord skin on its upper right thigh. And so every day they wake up and they go to their menial job, putting their eight hours on shift, operating the, the planet-sized being as it, it battles its way uh, 
through this war. We see glimpses of the intense action happening above. Um, but yeah it's, yeah, it's usually just you know off in the off in the sky, off in the distance. Um, it's it's just another day for for our hero. You know, it doesn't really mean much to them. They're you know when, desensitized to you it. You know when they um, when they join up or, or or get the job or whatever. Do they do they get posted to a particular place or are they do they get to choose like um, which part of the skin? I think on? I think depending. Yeah, I think you'd apply for a job in a certain department and it would be based on your qualifications and things like that and, and what you're interested in. Yeah, I mean, obviously you'd, you'd, you'd be they'd... like, yeah, I'm, I'm trained in skin, not liver. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd, <laughs> they'd, and still, they'd... there's a big difference between being like inner thigh and like... But I'm sure there'd, there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of movement within, you know, internally, like, oh, so-and-so has just been transferred to, uh, to the nose and... and you know, but is that a promotion though, or is, is that good? Uh, or I don't know. It's it's probably. I think the higher up you more, go, the more, more dangerous it gets. You want, you so you probably get paid more. So yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. But anyway, yeah, our, our hero. What about uh, the penis? Oh yeah, that's, hey, I didn't <laughs> say it was a, a male. Job or a bad I didn't say it was a man, did I? It's sexist. <laughs> well, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> a female megazord. <laughs> I have no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't. I mean, it probably doesn't have genitals, does it? I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that, but then in the movie that we're talking about, the, 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 their triumphant moment is kicking the villain's robot thing <laughs> in the balls. And then, <laughs> so, I guess it does then. I don't know. That can be a twist that this is actually a, a, a female Megazord. So, oh, so th- when the villain are... tries to kick it in the balls, it doesn't work. Yeah, the, yeah. The but there are people uh... working in the in the womb. And that's that's the uh, development lab where they work on on figuring out the <laughs> next the next one. Anyway, our, our hero can't can't see anything but the futility of everything. <laughs> the world's nothing but destruction on a planetary scale, and they're, like I say, they're desensitized to it. And it's not like they matter; they don't have any impact on anything anymore. One day they ride the internal Megazord lift up past their usual thigh compartment and they just keep going and they go all the way up to the belly button, which is roughly where the uh, planetary atmosphere ends and it, it actually becomes outer space. And they they just stand looking at the planet's horizon and the, the vacuum of space above it. And they mm. they take one step forward and jump. And they were right. The Their colleagues are sad the the relatives are sad. There's a funeral, but ultimately life goes on as normal. A, a, a new young graduate replaces them in their post immediately, and uh, the Earth Gigazord goes on fighting around Megazord. The, around, Megazord. The Earth Megazord goes on fighting the 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 others around the the universe. And that's the end. Ah, a life lesson for us all. There doesn't yes, matter. Yes. Just doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> It just makes sense that it would need more than just five people to maintain these things. All that robot, Alpha, right, <laughs> seems to be the one who's upkeeping them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> shall, I go, shall I go ahead with my Yes, Calvin, Calvin, what would you do with this? This is quite a difficult franchise to figure out what to do with in this day and age, to be fair. So Yeah, well, when they've kind of done everything. Yeah. You know a lot more about it, I guess. You're yeah. more familiar with the franchise, so perhaps mm. you'll, you'll come at it from a different angle. Yeah. Well, that was my original idea, actually, because I was going to pitch a, a serious idea for a prequel movie all about Zordon's battle with Rita, which they mention all the time in the series that happened like 10,000 years ago. 
which ended with Zordon putting Rita in a space dumpster and sending her <laughs> to the moon. Um, which is why every episode of the original series started with, when in the recap, they'd have her coming out of the dumpster being like, ah, I'm free! And then... She'd um yeah decide that she wants to conquer. She decided that she wants to conquer the nearest planet, which just so happened to be Earth, and that's why Zordon had to recruit the teenagers with attitude to <laughs> fight her. So I was going to go back ten thousand years ago and say, see what. When you say teenagers with attitude, <laughs> what does that mean? What sort of attitude? Because they've all got different attitudes. Well, that's that's what that's what he asks for in the. <laughs> In the episode, he says, Alpha, recruit for me five teenagers with attitude. Ah, okay. So why why these kids, particularly? Because they've got they've, attitude. They're good kids, and they do martial arts. So... Uh, so he just goes to the nearest dojo and, like, so says, oh, you, you're now special. Pretty much, yes. So that was my original idea, but then when I um, was doing my research for that pitch, I came across something that the original actor of Zordon from the TV series, David Fielding, had um, talked about. He was saying that at one point there was an idea to have Zordon return for a comedy web series in which <laughs> what in which in which Zordon would in which Zordon would try to do odd jobs around the uh, around the town but he can't because he's just a head in a tube so uh, yeah. so that got me thinking and uh, that would have been great that would have been amazing <laughs> so, so that's my pitch to do a series of 5 minute comedy shorts we put on the internet set in the show's continuity of what Zordon and Alpha 5, his robot assistant, get up to when Angel Grove isn't being attacked. So um, I've got the plot for episode one. Yeah. Right. It's uh, it's called The Date. <laughs> now. <laughs> now. <laughs> Zordon. Does, does this end in a, in a farce where he has to be in two places <laughs> at once? Okay, so episode one is called The Date, and Zordon and Alpha 5 arrive at Walmart to their weekly shop. Now, normally it's just Alpha that comes to do this, but Zordon... <laughs> Zordon has insisted on joining him, seeing as Alpha always goes for the more expensive brand products, and Zordon is trying to live within his means a bit better, so he's going for the value products. So they're what bickering means, as they... by the way? Uh... Where does he get his income? Well, what is he exactly? Because, like... They, they they sort of say that he's he's a a, a a space wizard that's trapped in a time void, and the only way he can the only way he can communicate with Earth is through this tube, and that's all very vague. Especially when he apparently in the movie is a, is like physically in that tube. Yeah, you see yeah. his body. It's just nonsense, isn't it? Just arbitrary words. Oh, space wizard in a time tube. Yeah, whatever. It's like it's like <laughs> Doctor Who. They just sort of make it up as they go along. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So, but for the purposes of this uh, web series, he's just a head in a tube the whole time. So, Zordon is in the cart, being pushed <laughs> around by Alpha, and they're bickering because Zordon says that they can get the same tins of chopped tomatoes for cheaper at a different store <laughs> down the road. And Zordon, Zordon goes on a bit of a rant about um, about how it. Pay- Zordon goes on a bit of a rant about how it pays to shop around. Now. <laughs> in the middle of the supermarket and there's a huge jar of pickles next to Zordon's head which is pulled away from the other side and behind it is a woman 
who uh, starts talking to Zordon because she admires his uh, booming oh, voice thought, and his. I thought you were going to his... say that like he's he's next to the pickles, so someone accidentally like put picks up his jar and starts <laughs> trying to like take him out because oh, <laughs> they think he's a pickle. <laughs> That would probably have been funnier. Um, but see, see, we've got we've got ideas for multiple episodes. Um, does, so, does does Zordon give Alpha Five uh, like a weekly housekeeping allowance? That it, <laughs> and Alpha Five's always moaning that it's not enough. <laughs> so, so um, this uh, this huge jar of pickles next to Zordon is pulled away, and there's a woman behind it who says that she admires um, his thriftiness and his booming voice. She's overheard this conversation, and the pair meet cute and have a bit of flirty banter, but they can only see each other's head through the shelves, so they don't <laughs> see the bodies. Okay, so now, so now he has to contrive to meet her on a date in a way that only shows his head. So now Zordon <laughs> is a bit flustered. Um, he hasn't spoken to a woman in ages, so um, she asks him out for a dinner date tonight, um, and he accepts. But when he and Alpha get back to the command center, he freaks out because he never mentioned that he's actually stuck in a time warp, and for all intents and purposes, this is really just a head in a tube. <laughs> so Alpha 5 tells him not to worry and just to be himself, um, but Zordon doesn't go for this, and Zordon convinces him to help him in an elaborate plan to appear human, which involves Alpha carrying Zordon while wearing a massive overcoat that covers them both, and a big hat over the top part of the tube. Um, so they go to the restaurant, and we have some slapstick here, because the waiter, it's a fancy restaurant, and the waiter's trying to take Zordon's coat to the cloakroom, and Zordon's all like, no, I have a skin condition, or something like that, which means that he can't take it off, and all the other snooty people in the place are looking down on him because he's rude and keeping his hat on indoors and all that. Um, so the date arrives, um, and the date goes terribly because Zordon is trying to act all cool, but Alpha is using his hands to try and feed him soup, but it's not working because it gets all over the tube, and uh, this, all, this all comes to a head when a badly behaved child fires a pee at Zordon and the hat falls off, exposing the top of his tube. So... <laughs> He has, to, he, has to, he has to come clean to the lady. And... When did this turn into Dennis the Menace? <laughs> <laughs> so he comes clean to the lady and says that it's... Uh, and she's actually cool with it. She says it's fine and he should have been ashamed. You should accept people who they are and not what they look like. Zordon is relieved. Um, but then the lady says that she has a confession herself and she takes off her coat <laughs> to reveal that she's actually a head in a glass sphere. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Alpha, <laughs> Alpha, Alpha, Alpha thinks this is really sweet, but Zordon is actually hesitant, and he's like, um, "Oh, okay, all right, goodbye then," and um, he leaves her <laughs> without paying his part of the bill. Um, and later that night, it turns out that Zordon still has still has a bit to learn about prejudice, um, yeah. as he actually shot away because he has a thing about heads and spheres, and. Uh, Alpha slips or something, and that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's because uh, his, his mum always said, never bring a home a girl in a sphere. I'll, I'll oh, throw you out go. of the house. There we go. That's your ending. <sighs> I'd enjoy that. I think I think you'll agree that there's a, a well of ideas there. Yes. I'm looking forward to episode two, where Zordon has to get a job in a factory. <laughs> <laughs> Down at the wood chip mill or <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if they've actually made that? Like, just how bizarre that would have been. Would be really, yeah. Just... What about epi- episode three, where they ha- they for some bizarre reason they have to look after a puppy <laughs> for, for a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I... 
I think it should be a full-blown human child <laughs> left on their doorstep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to Diminishing Returns. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please go to iTunes and leave us a positive rating and review. And if you'd like to join in the discussion with us, then you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. This is your destiny. This is your time.